The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to the Identity Matters podcast. We're very excited about uh, sharing with you some of the most profound but yet simple truths that are available from the Word of God. Well, let's gather around and talk about accepting your wrongness about you. So is that easier to do than accepting what is right about you? I was just asking a question so I could eat my caramel. (laughs) So why is it easier to accept what is wrong about us versus what is right about us? You don't feel quite as bad about yourself? You got to remember that three-fourths of who you are is fighting against God. The only perfect part of you is your spirit. It's redeemed, made new, regenerated, alive, blah, blah, blah. It's the body that wages war against it and the soul. So it's easier to actually agree with what's wrong about you than what's right about you. Okay, who was your daddy before you became indwelt by Christ? So Satan was, father of lies. In the beginning, it was all about, and still is, honestly, it was all about God the Father, God of the universe. Jesus answers to God because of that. So when he was saying that whatever you hear me saying, they're not my words. Defaulting to the words of God the Father is significant to him. So whatever you see me do, it's not I who is doing it, it's the Father who is in me. So those are key pieces. So Jesus did not have to fight the Adamic brotherhood or sonship of Satan. That's why he had to be born of a virgin of good bloodline. We are born in subject bondage and linked in to the father of lies being our daddy, which means being our identity. Big crisis. So we get saved. Satan goes, that's fine. I got plan B. And plan B is take this crap at the bottom of the barrel and have you have nightmares over it. So it gets such a habit that you start having daymares about it. Then it becomes such a problem that you start agreeing with these lies and then you go into this sad state of existence called depression or whatever. See, as soon as he can get you in the cave and roll the stone in, so you're just in utter darkness, just, you know, 
There's no hope of anything. He's one. He might not, he might not get your soul for eternity, but he's one. It's made your life miserable. It's crushed your can. It's over. So that's why only 13% of the people that have been diagnosed with clinical depression, they never get out. Now they have medicines to make you have that feel-good feeling when they really don't. They don't feel better. But it gives you a buzz. So that darkness doesn't bother you as much. That's where the enemy wants you to go. Instead of accepting what is right about you. So for me, it is not in reciting the identity list like it is for a lot of people. We literally used to have the identity page as a refrigerator magnetic stickum thing. I'd stop there and go, I'm holy, I'm chosen, I'm beloved, I'm just get on that list, you know. Kind of like I was memorizing a verse. hundred of them. And I realized convincing myself wasn't a proof of reality. I realized that I should be able to sit down and write more than that what's there. Because of my experience. So it, it came to this single point of the only way to accept what is right about me is to get to know the one who is right. Because what is true about him is true about me. Whatever that list is. And it worked. Now just keep in mind, I've got a first class five star cave that I run into. It's quality. But you see, that is my flesh, and so running into that dark place, somehow I think it's going to protect me and give me a vacation from whatever it is that is distracting me. And Jesus, of course, lets me pout, but not for long, and he waits for that weariness and heavy-laden thing, and I call out to Jesus, and he shows up every time, he doesn't beat me with, you stupid kid, are you going to quit doing this? No. It's very sweet. It's very gentle. And the conclusion is basically, you know, I've been here before. I didn't like it. Let's get out of here. And I do. It's just that simple. I, I've been here. I didn't like it. It's horrible. So for me to try to relate what Jesus went through in that tomb, I, it's too much. So I know how I feel. And to know what he went through there for everyone that ever lived and ever will live and then paid the cost is too much for me to think about. 
to accept my righteousness in Christ, I got to accept Jesus. I have to get to know him as my husband. I'm the wife. I'm the submissive one. I'm the I'm the one that should be displaying and sharing his words, not me telling him ordering around like he's a like he's some kind of pincushion. You see, I'm his servant. I am to be demonstrating the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works. You know, and my greatest frustration in this whole process of accepting who Christ really is as a male leader of eternity, my greatest frustration is the deafness of people hearing this. No, I'm going to do voodoo and keep poking holes in my husband. I'm going to do this. I can't trust that man. I am not going to do anything but put pinholes in him. Well, let me know how that voodoo works. Because Christ won't be with you. He never steps outside of his order to create order. So we are the bride of Christ and we are required to quietly take instruction from our husband. He's not passive. So to accept righteousness, you have to accept the rightness of Christ. In order to do that, you have to accept Christ. But if you've got issues with male-female stuff, which we've seen nothing yet, but if you've got issues in that arena, you'll never convince me you got the exchanged life down. You're my perfect bride. I've paid the price. You don't have to work anymore. I'm here. I can fulfill all the intimate needs. That's how it's supposed to work. But when you say to your average believer today that you literally are the righteousness of Christ, they're like, what did you just say? Well, just go one step further and say, do you know I am as perfect as Christ is? I just read you the verse. Be perfect as he is perfect. That should leave you with a question like, and how are we going to do that? It's this message. The indwelling life of Christ. So if you say that stuff to your average church hopper, they're going to look at you like you are weird. Where in the world does that come from? There's so many identity markers things that are right about Christ that are also right about you, that it would rattle your cage to actually say it. I'm a priest of the throne of God? I'm a priest? Priest means ruler over belief, doctrines. That alone messes with my mind. You're holy. Really? It's not how I act. You're holy. You're chosen. What does that little identity thing have to do with that? I chose you to be my wife. You didn't choose me, Steve. I chose you. 
It was just this generation the shift took where women were able to ask their boyfriends to marry them. Just this generation. That's how long it took to switch that tradition. You know where that that kind of theology is going to go? I'll tell you exactly where it's going to go. Men are going to become the servants again of women. And the trouble that that happens in a culture, you'd have to go back and look at some of the cultures in the Bible. One of the seven churches that are mentioned in the book of Revelation, Jesus addresses the issue of being managed and controlled by the women. The town itself, if you look it up to this day, in the dictionary, it means dominant woman who is a whore. That is coming back. You know the whore that's talked about in the book of Revelation? That's coming. It's not metaphoric. She's going to rule all religions in the world. So there has to be a culture readied for that versus this traditional stuff. So true righteousness can only be found in the one who is righteous, Jesus Christ. Once the convert receives Christ into their lives, they become the righteousness of Christ. Self-righteousness is a fleshly, ungodly form of humans mustering up their own rightness before God and man. That is the psychobabble of self-help healing that exists today. Pumping yourself up. I am someone. I can do this. I, I know I can do this. And they use that verse where it says, I can do all things in Christ Jesus, they use that like it's some kind of an energizing pill. No, you can't do all things. The the true translation of that verse is, I can do all things in Christ Jesus. In Him. Because if I'm in Him, I can't do anything that He's not going to do. It's an exchange life verse. Now, that's not how they use it. It's to pump up self. Our purpose for this teaching is pretty simple. And that's again, indwelt Christians need to stop living for acceptance from others and begin living from the acceptance given through Christ. He accepts the believer as righteous. As each convert walks in their newness of their new identity, the mind is being renewed and they will then believe what Christ says about them is true in order to make the choice to walk in and after the Spirit. Once we as being transformed, translated into the life and mind and literally existence of Christ, That's where Christ can actually begin to feed his new bridal member her inheritance. 
Honey, you're holy because I'm holy. Honey, you're perfect because I'm perfect. It's an inheritance. We married into his name. We don't get 50% of his goods. We get 100% of his goods. That's how giving this Savior and husband is. The enemy goes, i got to find some way to block this whole thing. Because if an indwelled believer really gets the, the legacy and the inheritance of their husband, you see, you can talk about Jesus like he's some kind of God and, you know, above you and above, blah, blah, blah. And most churches and most believers will not get the full picture. But if you understand that creation was put in place to multiply to the point where we have an earth filled with people so that Jesus comes along and goes, I'll take those two there. These five right here. Uh, there's ten there. I wouldn't mind those. Make sure they get have oil in their lamps. Um, I'll take these three over here. And he's choosing. So creation of man and woman was for the purpose of creating cattle, putting them inside this cattle pen, so he will select them. He said, well, that's just not fair. Afraid it is. The created cannot look at the creator and say, you messed up here. It's his world. It depends on the value. And true selected members for Christ have great value. And others that think that they got it and deserve special privileges, there's not great value there. So they're rejected. And there's nothing you can do about that. Nothing. But pray to join God in his beliefs, join Jesus in what he's doing, whatever that is, and believe. Whatever it is he's believing. That's how I like to pray. Is God, whatever you're doing here, thinking, believing, what I just want to be a part of that. So Satan comes up with this incident reaction thing to distract people from truly enjoying and embracing their relationship with Jesus Christ, who is their husband. It starts this way. There's this course of relationship that typically is fairly harmonious. Then there's some kind of incident that happens. You put your own little story in there. If the person has not accepted their rightness in Christ Jesus, they're going to expect the person who they're having this incident with, they will be expecting this person to behave differently, whether it's not rejecting them or whatever the issue is. You react instead of respond. This diagram is to show you the difference between reaction and response. Reaction includes Godship, 
the idolatry, all the negative stuff we're talking about is leading up to this diagram. Reaction. Now, Satan's planning on this, so you'll never accept your rightness in Christ. You'll never accept the fact that you are a bridal member of Christ, not a dictator over Christ. So the reaction takes place in the two of you. Just kind of go on and laugh the best you can. It's called grudge carrying. So you go away unforgiving, grudge bearing, avoiding them, maybe do occasional payback to make them feel bad. Rejection, pride, fake Christianity, you know the list. And that's why we come back to this principle that the will is the key here again. And when we look at that diagram, the will is the key. On this first one, what you're seeing is on the left side here, you have the world, flesh, and the devil pushing down through the five senses. So it's kind of a remake of this diagram. His pressure is going through the five senses of the body. The goal for Satan is to go lies, which is what he's father of, to apply demonic pressure to your body, which typically responds in sicknesses and body aches and cancer and diseases and whatever. Okay? Because once the body is pushed on and oppressed, it goes up into the emotions and all your emotions are all out of whack. I don't feel good. I just this, I that. And the emotions just start running wild in your life. Then your hormones are off because of that. And, you know, it's just a truck wreck. Then it goes to the will and you start making decisions while you're whacked. And then it goes into the mind as doctrines. And then the spirit just follows. Like a passive man. When in reality, the spirit is the lead. I know what Satan's doing. He's doing this in culture, he's doing it in churches, he's doing it in, in marriages, he's doing it in friendships, he's doing it in government. The enemy always goes at things backwards from the way God does it. Now, once this is happening, here's what it looks like. The top one is basically what we just showed you before. But when it goes on like this, we have an opportunity to choose truth at any stage of this. Could be 10 years later, 10 days later, 10 minutes later. We can choose truth. Then we choose truth, we repent, we seek forgiveness, restitution, unity, and restoration all starts to happen in us. It may not happen with the other person. And it all starts to happen. 
automatically because we chose truth. Down here on the bottom, we have this prior awareness of the identity in Christ. You have this incident and you choose truth right on the spot. Right on the spot. There's no have to think about this for three years. It's right on the spot. You're obedient. You are saving yourselves an endless list of ramifications. That's the goal. Then that is a response of the Spirit because the Spirit doesn't want you dragging this around for five years. It's ridiculous. Why carry that in your yoke? Why don't you carry Jesus' yoke, which is lighter than yours, because he emptied his out. There's nothing in it. You're carrying around more than Jesus carries around. The son of the universe. That should mess with your mind. So the privilege that we have been given, going back to the will as the key, is that the Holy Spirit is pushing or doing an overflow through the Spirit to renew the mind. So the will steps out to believe it so that the body itself will experience the benefits. None of this can be done, of course, without faith, which we can't even muster up, has to be given to us as a gift by Jesus' faith. Choices are made by humanistic faith or supernatural faith. To say that someone has faith doesn't mean they're of Jesus Christ. There are all kinds of faiths in the world. Jesus' faith was given to us as a gift. And when I apply Jesus' faith, there's mountains to be moved. But if I apply self-effort faith, something I made up, there's bugs to be moved. The whole faith issue becomes very critical here in the faith of the living life and mind of Jesus Christ living inside us and it's upon his faith that we're taking action in that. There's some good things to come. Miraculous things will come. This is in your workbook, but this is just a quick snapshot again to show you of just a small, small handful of identity statements that are made about you because they're true about Christ. And you can actually say these out loud, pray over them, just enjoy them by meditating. But they're true. They're biblical. And they're right. Just. Ness. Here's our bottom line statement. Righteousness is an indwelt believer's expression, function, and lifestyle of releasing the life of Christ from within. Once a born-again believer begins to appropriate their position in Christ, 
their condition is soon to change, simply by watching the evidence of his life being manifested through their mind, will, and emotions. This means that when the life circumstances are put before them, or him, he can choose to release the life of Christ to do the doing through him. This is a perfect setup for learning how to extend forgiveness to others. Even when the Spirit says, forgive today, I can't forgive. So, forgive today comes with, this is going to have to be appropriated through the forgiveness that already exists. Christ did this for you. You're going to do this for them through Christ. So it's his forgiveness, not yours. Which means unbelievers cannot forgive others. They can apologize. But they cannot give them Jesus' forgiveness because they're not indwelt. You've been listening to Identity Matters Podcast. We appreciate having you join us today. Feel free to log on to our website at www.iomamerica.org. We have lots of resources available for you on the believer's identity in Christ. Again, thank you for joining us.